Evening guys, welcome to another Wednesday midweek study. Um, today we are going to be in John 7 again, and we're going to be going through three whole verses. So, not a lot, but there is a huge amount of depth to this. So even what we're going over today is just a tiny glimpse at everything that Jesus is going to be talking about. Um, so before we get in, we'll just pray, and then we'll do a quick recap. Father, I just praise you and I thank you for your word. I thank you for the opportunity that we have to read it. Father, I thank you that we have it just so freely available to us, that we can read through it, that we can memorize it, that we can uh, just pour over it and allow you to speak to us through it. I thank you for your Holy Spirit who illuminates uh, your word to us. And I pray that as we read through it tonight that you would speak to us, that you would speak through me, that you would give me the words to say, that you would hold me back from saying things that you might not want me to say. And I pray that you would speak to each and every one of us individually, whether it's uh, through the main uh, body of the message of what you're talking about here, of um, what I'm going to be talking about, or whether it's just something that you want to uh, speak to uh, each of us individually about, just those things that uh, you want to point out in our lives. And so, Father, I ask these things um, in the precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Cool. So, as a quick recap, Jesus is in a bit of a discourse with the Jewish leaders, and they're upset at him, to to put it lightly. Uh, so, last week, Jesus was speaking to them, and some people who were there at this festival are saying, Oh, yeah, well, we know Jesus. You know, he, he, he comes from this, so, this place, so he can't possibly be the Messiah, because no one will know where he comes from. And Jesus basically says to them, Hey, you, you think you know me, but really you don't, because you don't even know the one who sent me. I'm speaking the truth, and I'm honouring the one who has sent me. And you would honour the one who has sent me by receiving that truth. And that requires a humility on their part, and like, likewise on our part, when he speaks, that we'd be willing to receive it, no matter how that message is coming across, no matter what vessel the Lord uses to speak to us, that we have the humility to say, you know what, no matter how the Lord is uh, speaking to me, no matter how the Lord is delivering this message to me, I need to be willing to hear what he has to say. So, Jesus says in verse 37, it says, on the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, Anyone who is thirsty may come to me. And then I'll read the rest just for a bit of context here as well. It says, Anyone who believes in me may come and drink, for the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. When he said living water, he was speaking of the Spirit, who would be given to everyone believing in him. But the Spirit had not yet been given, because Jesus had not yet ascended or not yet entered into his glory. So, start off in verse 37 where it says, On the last day, the climax of the festival. So, it's not just thrown in there for no reason. There is a good meaning as to why he is saying this at the climax of the festival. It's not just, you know, as if it's like, Oh, yeah, during the festival Jesus is saying this, but um, this is the climax. This is the very end of the festival. What festival? Well, it's the same festival that he was talking to the disciples about not uh, not necessarily going at the time when they were going to go. 
and it has significance because of the setting of what he's saying. There's a huge amount of significance to what he's saying anyway, but it just carries uh, just so much more to the people at the time for them to say, hang on a minute, he's saying this right now. So the festival is the festival of booths, the festival of shelters, um, and people would go and they'd live in tents for seven days, with day one being a Sabbath day, and then at day eight, after those seven days, would be a day when they would also have another Sabbath day. And this is talked about in Leviticus 23, verses 33 to 36, and then again in 23, 39 to 43. So this was a festival to remember how they had been wandering in the wilderness, and the Lord delivered them from that, and that the Lord was with them during that time. And one of the things that they do for seven days, they would take a golden pitcher, they would go from the temple, they would have this worship procession that would go down to the Pool of Siloam, they would draw water from it, and then they would take it back up to the temple, where they would then pour it on the altar. And there's a significance to this, because the water drawing wasn't necessarily scriptural, it wasn't asked of them, but it was a tradition that they had built up that for, among the other reasons, was to remember how when they were in the wilderness, the Lord actually brought water for them. How the Lord provided water in the wilderness, in this dry wilderness, when they were saying, hey, why are we here? You've brought us out here to die. And then the Lord speaks to Moses, and Moses strikes the rock, and water pours forth from it. And in Nehemiah 9, the Israelites remember this when they actually, when they're celebrating this festival. So Nehemiah 9 verse 12 um, through 15 speaks about this, and verse 15 specifically says, You gave them bread from heaven when they were hungry, and water from the rock when they were thirsty. And so it's a reminder for them of how the Lord provided this living water or this flowing water for the Israelites that came from this rock being struck. And with this in mind, with this whole picture of like the, um, the golden vessel being taken through and drawing that water, with that all in mind, encapsulating all of this, Jesus then speaks of water to say those who are thirsty may come to him and drink. So Jesus used this moment in time to encapsulate scripture that they were talking about, that we can look at scripture and we can say, oh yeah, wow, yeah, what he's saying in light of this verse and this verse, wow, you can really see the crossovers. But for them, this was a momentary picture that they could see, hang on a minute, Jesus is saying this in light of what we're seeing here, in light of the fact that water was brought forth from the wall, from the rock, this living water. And so this for them was, you know, they couldn't, not everybody could go and they could search the scriptures. You'd have to go and you'd have to get scrolls. So for them, this was a matter of, hang on a minute, everything all at once, Jesus can simply say this, and it's as if tons of scripture has already been spoken forth before this. And the people wouldn't have had easy access to scripture, but it would have just shown them all of this, that he's saying this now in the context of, hey, remember when you're in the wilderness 
and Moses struck the rock and the Lord brought forth water? Well, I am that rock. So Jesus is equating himself with the rock in the wilderness. In 1 Corinthians 10 verses 1 to 4, it says, I don't want you to forget, dear brothers and sisters, about our ancestors in the wilderness long ago. All of them were guided by a cloud that moved ahead of them, and all of them walked through the sea on dry ground. In the cloud and in the sea, all of them were baptized as followers of Moses. All of them ate the same spiritual food, and all of them drank the same spiritual water. For they drank from the spiritual rock that traveled with them, and that rock was Christ. Jesus is revealing himself as the rock from which living water flows and the one that was broken for their salvation, for, for that living water, that he is the picture that was spoken about long ago. He is the fulfillment of that. And he's doing this on what was likely the eighth day, which they talk, so it says here, the climax of the festival, some of the translations say on that great day. This would have probably been the eighth day, and the eighth day, they wouldn't have done this whole procession, procession of getting water. They would have only prayed for that water. And this is when Jesus is probably doing it, saying, hey, if you want water, come to me. And Jesus is declaring, hey, saying, hey, instead of drawing from the pool, draw from me. And Jesus is shouting to the crowds. It says, Jesus stood and shouted. So this is something that, you know, it's not like, it's saying normally where it's like, yeah, he got up on the steps and he taught. Or, you know, he's speaking to the crowds. He is shouting, he's declaring this, saying, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. And it's the same thing that he's saying to the woman at the well in John 4 verses 10 to 14, where he is saying, effectively, he is, he holds eternal life. He, from this eternal source where people will never be thirsty again when they go to Christ who is the rock from which the living water flows. And he's shouting now because it is one of the final days from which, one of the final festival days from which many people are gonna be going to Jerusalem. It's one of his final days before he's gonna be crucified. And um, so this is the last festival in which um, he's gonna be attending, everyone else is gonna be attending before his crucifixion. And so, He's shouting, he wants to make this known that other people would know, hey, come to me if you are thirsty and I will give you this living water. And so he says, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. And this offer is open to all, it's open to anyone. There's no exclusivity to this. The offer of salvation is open to all. In John 3.16, it tells us, for God so loved the world. It's not like he only loved a few certain people, he loved the whole world that he would do this. Romans 5 verse 18 says, Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God, a new life for everyone. This offer to come and drink, this offer of life and salvation, is open to all. Those that are thirsty are going to go and drink from this, but you first have to recognize that you are thirsty. You first have to recognize that you are in need of salvation. Like we read before in Romans 5, in Romans 3 verse 23, it says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 3 24 
tells us how we're actually then satisfied in him, how we are thirsty, how we are in need, and where we can go for that. It says, yet God, with undeserved kindness, declares that we are righteous. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. Christ is the rock that was broken for us, that living water from which him flows all of this water that will quench our thirst. And all may come, but we must first recognize our need if we're actually gonna go, if we're gonna receive from him. Often we're very lax in recognizing our need for him. Even in physical drinking, I speak personally for myself here a lot of the time, I am not great at thinking like, oh yeah, I should drink. You know, if I'm busy doing something, the first thing on my mind isn't, oh yeah, I need to drink something. I need to purpose myself to say, hey, I need to drink at certain intervals. I need to make sure there is a drink before me that I look at and I'm reminded, oh yeah, I need to drink. Or, you know, if there's an empty glass, I'll usually fill it up so that it's always there so that I can go, oh yeah, I'll get a drink now, rather than, oh, it's empty. Oh yeah, I'll get some more in a minute that I'm always making sure I'm ready. You know, a lot of the time, I'll just think, oh, man, I, I've got a headache. You know what? It's probably because I haven't had much to drink today. I usually notice the signs of it. Or, if it's not that, it's because I am using the knowledge of saying, hey, I have to remember to drink. So I have to set a schedule, effectively, for drinking, where it's like, hey, if I'm working on my laptop, I've got my drink beside me, that I am constantly reminded, hey, yeah, I need to drink. And even though it's that physical water, something that I actually need, it's even something that I very lax about. And I know that I don't just speak for myself, because when you look on like the app store and everything else, you see all these like reminders to drink water apps. And it's something that we all have to think about. Oh, yeah, you know, when I'm busy, I need to make sure that I'm drinking enough. You know, all those sorts of things, because it can be easy for life to just crowd some of those things out. Unless we notice, oh, you know what? I'm really thirsty right now. Unless we notice that. And that's usually a point in which, actually, we've been thirsty for a while, and now we're noticing the signs of that. We're so forgetful in recognizing our need for something physical that we need to live. How lacking in awareness must we be of those spiritual needs, of that spiritual thirst that we so often will forget about? So we can come to him and then drink and then we remain there. And that's where we can receive, that's when we can continually come, not only receiving salvation, but then remaining continually that we would be refreshed in his word, that we would be refreshed in his presence. We must continue to spend time with him if we want to be health healthy spiritually. For instance, if I don't have water, then I'm going to be getting sick, I'm going to get headaches, I'm not really going to have much energy. And that's the consequences of not having physical water. But not having spiritual water has a lot more unforeseen consequences, things that we don't even notice until time has gone on and we're starting to notice the consequences of it. We start to get spiritually sick, living in the flesh, not reading our word, those sorts of things. We start to lack spiritual clarity. Romans 12 tells us that the Lord is the one who renews our mind. And if we're not going to the Lord, then we're not allowing our mind to be renewed. We're allowing the world to shape our mind instead. And we're going to lack the energy. We're going to lack 
the energy to actually fight the spiritual attacks that we're going to be coming against. The enemy's going to still throw temptation and everything else against us, and he's going to notice that, oh hey, you know, they're not in their word, they're not talking to the Lord in prayer. This is a good time for me to attack, because now they're weaker. And when we're weaker, we're going to be more susceptible to falling into sin whenever we're tempted. But if we are continually feeding from him, if we're continually coming to him saying, okay, I want to come and I want to drink, I want to sit in your word, I want to sit in prayer, that is when we're going to notice that we're going to get spiritually stronger. We're not going to be spiritually sick, we're going to be spiritually growing. We're not going to be lacking in spiritual clarity, we're going to be growing in it. And we're going to actually have more and more energy to fight those fights that we're going to be coming against. But we need to continually go to the fountain and drink from the water that he gives. Verse 38 says, Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare, rivers of living water will flow from his heart. When he said living water, he was speaking of the Spirit, who would be given to everyone believing in him. But the Spirit had not yet been given, because Jesus had not yet entered into his glory. So Jesus has said what he is offering, and where to get it from him, but he hasn't at this point said how to receive it until verse 38, where he says, anyone who believes in me. All you have to do to receive it is to believe in him. Just come and drink because salvation is a free gift. It's not something that we have to work for. It is something that we must simply come and drink. To first believe, hang on, you hold the water, so I'm going to go to you recognizing our need and recognizing that he holds the power to quench our thirst, to come and receive from all who believe. There's no formula or list of requirements. He simply says, come. Romans 10 verse 9 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So anyone who thirsts, which is all of us, may come and drink and receive from him by simply believing that he is the way, the truth, and the life, by simply believing that he holds the key to salvation, that we can come to him if we are thirsty, that we can come to him to drink, to quench our thirst from the everlasting well, from the everlasting fountain. And through his death on the cross, through his blood which was shed for us, which doesn't simply cover over our sins like in the Old Testament, but actually washes them clean. That through believing, we can actually receive eternal life. That the Father can say, hey, I see you the same way I see my Son, which is righteous and holy. And it's not something that we deserve, because it is that free gift. It is something that is given to us, something that we cannot earn, but is given to us through his grace, through his mercy. And the scriptures declare where he says, next, um, anyone who believes in me may come and drink, for the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. It's likely alluding to Isaiah 55, where in verse 1 it says, is anyone thirsty? Come and drink. Even if he have no money, come, take your choice of wine or milk. It's all free. And then verse 3 says, Come to me with your ears wide open. Listen, and you will find life. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. I will give you all the unfailing love I promised the David. This living water of the everlasting covenant that 
God spoke to David about to say, hey, through you, I will bring the Messiah through your seed, through your line. And that is Jesus, the Messiah. The living water of the everlasting covenant is found in Christ. It's likely also alluding to Isaiah 58 verse 11, which says, the Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you are dry and restoring your strength. You will be like a well-watered garden, like an ever-flowing spring. So Jesus is not only saying, hey, remember this scripture here, where I'm actually here declaring to you guys, I am the fulfillment of this. I am the source from which living water flows. He's also alluding to the fact that we can receive living water and we can likewise become springs flowing with this living water as we receive his spirit which lives in us. John 14 verse 16 through 17 says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. He will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. Ephesians 1 verse 13 says, And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. And so in receiving the Holy Spirit, like it's talking about in verse 39, and by receiving him, by receiving the Spirit, then we can actually become those vessels that he will use. Each of us having been given the Holy Spirit, and now not just receivers of this, but vessels through which God will work and will delight to work through as his children. Like physical drink is life-sustaining and a blessing to our bodies, so spiritual drink is not only life-giving, but it's life-sustaining and life-blessing at the same time. When we receive from the Lord and spend time with him through prayer and the word, we can actually become more effective vessels to be used for his glory, for whatever he wants us to do. And it can be his delight and our delight to let him do that. And he's gonna use that through us. He's gonna bless us through that. And he's gonna bless others because others are receiving from that spring, which is flowing out of us, that they will be blessed and that we will be blessed in turn as he works in us and through us. We can bear fruits like in Galatians 5, verse 22 to 23, which says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. By receiving Christ, we not only receive salvation and the blessing of the Holy Spirit, who's going to help illuminate the word to us, who's going to help remind us of its truth, who's going to help us fight the battles that we're going to be fighting daily, but he uses it to then empower us to be his vessels through which he's going to work, through which others can receive from us, through which others can say, hang on a minute, why are you so different? Why, why did you act this way? Why did you do this? Or what are you talking about when you're describing about Jesus in this way? That we can actually be vessels through which he's going to work, not only declaring the gospel, but then showing the gospel in our lives as well. And as we remember Christ's birth this week, let's remember why he came and how he doesn't stop at simply giving us salvation, how he didn't just simply come here to give us salvation, but then he went even further, not just giving us mercy in saying, hey, I am not going to just 
forget about you. In my love, I am willing to lay down my life for you. That Christ, like Dave, like um, Matt was talking about on Sunday, where he was talking about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, saying, but Father, not my will, but your will be done. That it was a painful thing for Christ, who has always been with God the Father, to then be separated from the Father, for the Father to crush his own Son. But yet at the same time, Scripture says, but it pleased the Father to crush him. And it pleased him because of his love for us as well. And it's not just this empty thing that he did, it is something that he did out of his love, and of love we want to receive that. To say, hey, this is love that is incomparable, that is far wider, far deeper, far higher, far just way beyond my human understanding. That this is the love that he poured out for us on a cross. That it's not just in his mercy giving us salvation, but in his grace, he is giving us so much more. He is saying, hey, now I am giving you the Holy Spirit as a deposit of what is yet to come. That you will be with me. That now I am in you through the Holy Spirit. You can continually speak to me. I am with you here while you are on this earth. But one day you will be with me. That that is what he says to us. That he adopts us as his children. And so this Christmas, let's remember the fact that he's also given us the Holy Spirit to help us that it would flow out of our lives, that the Spirit would flow, that others would see the Gospel, that they wouldn't just hear about it as we talk about the reason for Christmas, but that they would see it in our lives, that they would see the fact that, hey, I'm turning and I'm going to the Lord in prayer. I'm turning and I'm going to the Lord and I'm reading His Word. That when worries, that when anger, when jealousy, when all those different things can pop up in our lives that want to try and take over, we can say, no, Lord, I want you to rule over my life, not these things. That we can let love reign, because love casts out all fear, as it says in 1 John. And so, if you don't know him, I encourage you to find out more. I encourage you, hey, look back, see how to receive him. The fact that we can receive him through believing in what he has done. And if you have any questions, I encourage you to get in contact with us. Because today is the day of salvation. Let's pray. Father, I just praise you and I thank you for your word. I thank you that um, you loved us uh, so much deeper than uh, we can possibly fathom. Father, I pray that you would help us to remember that, especially as we are going to be uh, spending time with family and loved ones over Christmas. I pray that you would help us to shine Christ to uh, sometimes the people who it's a little bit more difficult to shine Christ to the people who know us so deeply, the people uh, who it can be easier to uh, just uh, be our sinful flesh selves with. Father, I pray that you'd help us to shine Christ, to glorify your name in our lives, to uh, share Christ with those uh, who don't know you. I pray that you'd help us to not just have the boldness to share, but um, to that you would fill us with your spirit continually, that you would continue to remind us of your word, that you continue to work in us and through us, that you would continue to renew our minds, that we would continue to come to the fountain, the everlasting fountain, that we would drink, that we would be filled, that we would grow stronger in you, and that you would delight in using us for your glory. Uh, Father, I just pray that you'd be with each and every one of us, that we would uh, flow out with the fruits of the Spirit in our lives. Uh, and uh, Father, I pray that you'd help us to apply this to our lives 
uh, not just uh, this week, but uh, all the days of our life, that you'd help us to remember this and to glorify your name in it. And Father, I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys.